0: has the greatest science fiction author that's ever lived given us definitive proof of time travel? What would you do if all of a sudden you found yourself slowly going crazy and began to hallucinate things that shouldn't exist? But more importantly, could your hallucinations be right? And finally, we take a trip Down a dark highway and witness a horrific accident. Or do we? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Chase Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. It's been a bit of a crazy day for me. Uh, I know I don't usually do intros like this, but I think this one might help. Um, I have a dollar seventy-eight in my bank account. When people say I'm broke, I always thought they meant like me. <laughs> I thought they always meant they literally had no money. As an adult, people go, oh man, I don't have any money till payday. But they have like savings accounts they don't want to touch. They have a credit card. They're like, but the interest rate's too high. I don't want to put any money on that. I'm not judging those people. But I always go, I'm broke. I have seventy-eight in my bank account. This isn't a pitch to get more money from you guys or anything. I'm just kind of letting you know. I have seventy-eight in my bank account. I don't get paid for probably another six days. I've been having a massive anxiety attack for probably about three hours now. I quit nicotine about two days ago. This... Is I've quit nicotine on and off over the years. I usually do a cycle on nicotine, a cycle off, and then I get tired of spending money on it. That's one of the reasons why I only had $1.78 in my account. I was like, I'm done with this. I'm not spending any more money on nicotine. So I'm going through withdrawals. And normally, it doesn't trigger an anxiety attack, but a pit bull or a Rottweiler, I don't know. I didn't get a good... I mean, it came at me, but it was just running around downtown and everyone listens to the show. No, I'm not a huge fan of I'm not a huge fan of unleashed dogs in uh, anywhere near me, really. So that sucked. Uh, I had this dog walking down the street, and I pulled my knife out, and then it, then it walked away. I don't think it was afraid of the knife. I just think it was trying to find home. But I don't know. I called the police, and I said I saw the dog walk away. Uh, Maybe you go send a cop out. You're like, Jason, this is your most ranty. This is the reason why I'm saying all this stuff. It hasn't been a fantastic day for me, but it's a great day now because I have the privilege of spending it with you. Like for the next hour, however long it takes for me to record this episode, I'm going to edit it down. You know, you take out all the dumb jokes and stuff. But for this period of time, I get to be with you and I get to share these awesome stories with you. And I'm very grateful for that super grateful. doesn't matter what else is going on in my life. This is here for me. And I hear a lot of you guys tell me that. I get a lot of emails from you guys saying, hey, your podcast helped me get through some tough times and I appreciate you being there. And I want to say that to you guys too. I appreciate you guys being here with me as well. The money situation is going to be fine. I'm going to get paid a ton of money in a couple of days. Not a big deal. The dog, hopefully, is safe. To- <laughs> I have to leave my house eventually. I have business to take care of tonight, but hopefully the dog's not waiting for me. Um, I'm sure it has been taken back home because I had, like, a collar on and all that stuff. But um, what was the other thing I was... <laughs> oh, the anxiety attack will just go away eventually, um, which I think is being triggered by the lack of nicotine. The reason why I'm saying all that stuff is for two reasons. One, I am very privileged, and I deeply mean it that I get to... Make this part of my life is hanging out with you guys and telling these stories. I also want to officially start right now a brand new 90 Days to a Better You. This is a free thing we have. It's not a seminar or some book I'm trying to sell you. And I'm going to just talk about it super briefly because we got a lot to cover. But mark today on your calendar, whether you're listening to this the day I recorded it, which is impossible, or you're listening to it the day it comes out or you're listening to it five years from now. Mark on your calendar today and make make an oath to yourself that 90 days from now, you'll be in a better position than you are today. And it could be all sorts of things. It could be fitness related. It could be looking for a new job. It could be trying to clean up. That's my thing. I'm going to focus really on cleanliness in my um, my apartment, getting my clothes hung up and making a real effort to, to go back to feng shui in my place, which did help a lot for my mental health. And Just being clean is, is always good. So, so yeah, for the next 90 days, and hopefully beyond. but that's, a, that's hard to think of. Those 90 days are going to pass anyways. Whether or not you make whether or not you challenge yourself to be in a better place for 90 days, they're going to pass anyways. Those days are going to fall off the calendar. So why not be in a better place or at least attempt to within the next 90 days? I think it's a really cool challenge. We do them every so often, once a year, and now we're starting one, and I think it's a great time to do it. And I hope it's a great time for you guys too. So let's go ahead and get started. I know that was a little rambly, but let's go ahead and introduce one of our newest Patreon supporters walking into Dead Rabbit Command, holding his fist high in victory. Everyone give it up for the one, the only, DeWormius. Woohoo, yeah! <laughs> he's all walking in, he's all, what? What? That's not my name. I did send DeWormius an email and go, hey, um, just just how do you pronounce your name? It's an an interesting name. DeWormius. If I'm mispronouncing that, go ahead and hit me up. DeWormius, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, it's totally fine. It truly is. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so, so much. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. Let's go ahead and get this bad boy started. DeWormius, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. Drive us all the way out to. France. <laughs> I found the story on the export the other day. It was really interesting because it was probably one of the coolest things on the export in a long time. So, of course, people completely dismissed it and began the brigade saying you're stupid for even bringing this up which to me doesn't always work this way but to me it makes me go that might be true like it was very very quick the disputing of the story and you could go well Jason it's possible that people were disputing the story because it is total and utter nonsense but let's take a look at this and and full disclosure I'm not, a, I'm not an avid reader of novels. I read a lot of newspaper articles, magazine articles, things like that. I'm a, I'm a, I consume a lot of journalism, but as far as novels go, not a ton. I've talked a lot about my love of Star Trek novels in the past. But I would have to say that my favorite science fiction, really, I, I, I don't know if he's my favorite author overall, but he might be. He's easily the author I've read the most books of, of a single author. And that's Philip K. Dick. And he's hands down, I believe, the best science fiction author. The people can, you know, disagree with that. It's a free country. But his concepts and the way he's able to string them together is just jaw-dropping. And the fact that he might be the single science fiction author who's had the most movies based on his work. And you guys have probably seen the movies... Blade Runner, Total Recall, Screamers. <laughs> Remember Screamers? I once saw that at the theater. About the little robots that dug through the sand. You're like, Jason, wait a second. Are you saying the guy wrote Screamers? One of the best science fiction authors of all time. He wrote Paycheck, Imposter, Next. That Nicolas Cage movie. You're like, Jason, you're not really winning me over with these. The Adjustment Bureau was a more recent one. Minority Report. You can't go wrong with Philip K. Dick. You can read pretty much any of his stuff. I did. My dad, I had a great introduction to him as a child. My dad read a lot of Philip K. Dick, especially his short stories, and then would tell us the stories as if it was like, like he wouldn't read them to us, but he would make them digestible. So he would be like, hey, I remember this. I remember this clearly, like we'd be in the living room. My dad would come in and be like, guys, guys, shut the TV off here. I'm going to tell you this story that I just read. And he would tell the story, it wouldn't be just a summary, it wouldn't be a word-for-word retelling, but he would tell us these just jaw-dropping short stories. He didn't just do it with Philip K. Dick, but I remember a lot of those. He wrote some amazing stuff. Really, he talked about reality. A lot of his books are about reality. One of my favorite ones, and it's hard to choose from, but Blow My Tears, The Policeman Said, was this novel he wrote about this movie star who one day he wakes up he's not a movie star anymore not like he got canceled this wasn't foretelling the me too movement imagine if brad pitt all of a sudden walked out of his house and he was still brad pitt but he had a job at an auto shop and everyone knew him as brad pitt the guy at the auto shop like his boss was like hey how come you're late and he had worked a whole previous existence at that auto shop. He had family and friends. The night he went to bed, there was a billboard of him. He had a movie coming out. There's all these news reports. And then the next morning, all of that's gone. Nobody remembers him as a movie star. They just remember him as this schlub walking down the street. And the, I mean, I'll give away the twist. It's a fascinating book, and I'm really bastardizing it. But this is just the way Philip K. Dick worked. Because ha- he has to figure out what went wrong. Why is he all of a sudden n- a nobody? And it turns out, like, the night before all of this stuff happened, him and I think seven of his very, very rich and famous friends discovered this new drug, this experimental drug, and the seven of them took it, and everyone else on the planet got high. Everyone else was experiencing a delusion, only these seven people who actually took the drug were still living in the real reality, but they were now, everyone else was drugged out of their mind. They weren't physically in an alternate reality. They were hallucinating an alternate reality. The rest of humanity. I mean, this type of stuff that messes with your head, right? Is a really cool book. Philip K. Dick was all about challenging perceptions and what is real and what is not. So much so, I don't want this to just be a... You guys, I'm kind of having an orgasm over this story, right? I could just go on and on and on. So much so that uh, Philip K. Dick did end up writing an autobiography. It's considered an autobiography. It's about a space laser called VALIS, the vast active living intelligence system that beams messages into people's heads. That's his autobiography. (laughs) I mean, Philip K. Dick wrote a lot of stuff about challenging reality, and he also had a really hard time living in reality. I think it's interesting because, too, we'll wrap it up like this. Philip K. Dick had a foot in the future his entire life. This isn't just an overview. We're getting to some weird thing from the export in a second. He always had a foot in the future, really a foot in a grave, since the day he was born. He died of a stroke in 1982, and he was buried next to his twin sister, Jane, who had died when she was a baby. But the tombstone at her grave said... Jane and Philip Dick. They were planning to bury him the whole time next to her. Imagine having a gravestone since you were a child with your name on it out in a graveyard. I mean, that would kind of mess with your reality, I think. Obviously, if you already had issues with paranoia, it would be a weird... We all know we're going to die, but it would be a weird... (laughs) You're like, I don't want to go visit my sister's grave again. My name's on it. They're like, well, cover it up this time, Philip. Fascinating character. Uh, I love him. I've read a ton of his work. My favorite book, the one I would recommend, is The World That Jones Made. This guy is a fortune teller at a circus (laughs) show, and he has a sign that says, I can see one year into the future. This is one of the stories that my dad told me when I was a kid. He just told me the beginning. He didn't tell me the ending, but people come to the circus, and they're like, oh, I see in the future a year. You know, five bucks. Pay five bucks. And they ask the psychic okay, so what's going to happen a year from now? And the psychic goes, well, I'm going to be sitting at this booth a year from now. People are like, what? He goes, oh, I can only tell what I'm going to be doing in the future one year from now. In this eye, in my right eye, I can see the future a year from now. And I'm still going to be sitting at this booth. And people would get really mad at him and demand their money back. He goes, I told you the future. I told you the future. I told you that I was going to be sitting here Well, he does, it's real. He can't see the future out of one eye and he keeps pissing people off. But then one day in his right eye where he can see one year ahead, he looks up and he sees aliens surrounding the planet Earth. So he has one year to prevent this. It's a really, really interesting book. I won't spoil anything else of it. It's really my favorite of his. And he has a lot of great ones. The World That Jones Made. I very rarely recommend books, but Dead Rabbit Radio recommends The world that Jones made. Anyways, why we're talking about this. This is a more recent story, although all that stuff is fascinating as an overview. It truly is an overview. Let's take a look at this. So someone posted this. They found this on the export. I'm going to, hopefully this goes over well because it requires a couple audio clips, but we're in Metz, France. It's 1977 and Philip K. Dick was giving a lecture to a bunch of people and It's an hour long lecture. I remember watching it years ago. I didn't watch the whole thing the second time. I remember watching it years ago. He's just talking about his works. And in this particular segment we're gonna listen to, he's talking about the book, The Man in the High Castle specifically. And because this presentation is in France, there's a French translator, but the video I'm about to play for you, the French translation has been cut out.
1: It has taken me over three years to reach the point where I'm willing to tell anyone of my closest friends about my experience beginning back at the vernal equinox of 1974. One of the reasons motivating me to speak about it publicly at last to openly make this claim is a recent encounter I have undergone, which, by the way, bears a strange resemblance to Hawthorne Abinson's experience in my novel The Man in the High Castle with the woman Juliana Frank. Juliana read Robinson's book about a world in which Germany and Japan and Italy. Now, this is a little difficult if you haven't read the book, but
0: now you might have missed that. You might have missed that. You know, the guy who posted the, the export. And again, I thank you so much. I find this fascinating could point it out to the actual second. I'm going to try to narrow it down and I'm going to tell you what to be listening for right now. It's super trippy. It could be nothing. That's what a lot of people are saying. It was a chair. It was another noise. It was not what you think. But if you listen to this, to me, and I've listened to this a lot. I listen to the sound clip a ton before I go. Is this even going to translate well for the podcast? It sounds like during his speech, you hear someone's cell phone, specifically a Samsung cell phone, give off the notification noise.
1: Juliana read Robinson's book about a world in which. Juliana read Robinson's book about a world in which. Juliana read Robinson's book about a world in which.
0: If you're not familiar with it, you know, I, I love Samsung. That's pretty much the cell phone brand that I buy year after year. The default Samsung noise is this. Samsung, the phone wasn't around until 1988. The speech wasn't around until 1977. That is Samsung's notification. That is something unique to their phones. You could download that sound. Obviously, I'm pulling it off of YouTube. But that is a Samsung notification. And even if it, was an, if it was an Apple Watch notification, it's still happening in the year 1977. Let's listen to it one more time.
1: Juliana read Robinson's book about a world in which...
0: The way that you can hear it over everything else, that just like when you're sitting in a... Cra- I've had my Samsung phone go off multiple times while i recording episodes, and I always have to edit it out because I know what'll happen. Everyone will look around. If you're sitting at home and you have a Samsung phone, you'll look over to your phone. It's a learned response. I, it, it irritates me when it, when it happens at other people's podcasts because I start to look for my phone. It's such a universal sound. And you hear that sound. And it sounds like the same sound you're hearing in the sound clip.
1: Juliana read Robinson's book about a world in which...
0: And what's super interesting is you're listening to this and people go, that's a chair moving around. That's this, this, the other thing, because you're only getting part of it. It doesn't, it sounds like the Samsung notification. But as a, I got to do my due diligence, even though I left Philip K. Dick, even though I believe that if you were a time traveler, he would be one of the people you would want to meet. Either from a reality breaking, you just want to meet someone who just had one foot in the real world and one foot in the world of the craziest ideas. Who else is going to believe they've been visited by a time traveler? Right. If you showed up, you went to visit Neil deGrasse Tyson or something like that, if you could even get past his security, whatever, you know, like scientifically, yeah, you might want (laughs) maybe Albert Einstein. But you know what I mean? Like, Phil K. Dick would be the guy who'd be like, I totally believe this is possible. He wouldn't even question it. Also, just from a pop culture standpoint, because like I said, he's basically created 80s sci-fi. The whole idea of the paranoia. I don't even think you'd have stuff out there like They Live if it wasn't for the the works of Philip K. Dick. Super, super influential science fiction author who went on to just break records in pop culture as well with his films. If you had a time machine, you'd want to go back and sit in this. He'd be one. I'm not saying he'd be the (laughs) only person you'd want to meet. You're like, Jesus or Philip. Mm. But he'd be someone you'd want to meet. But however, i got to do my due diligence. I love this guy. I'm really close to the subject. This video had the translator edited out. So I'm thinking it's possible that this was an artifact left over by editing out the translator. And again, thanks to the awesome members of the board, someone else said, hey, I found the timestamp of a video that has not had the French translator unedited. And guess what?
1: to Hawthorne Abinson's experience in my novel The Man in the High Castle with the woman Juliana que en fin, en public. Juliana read Abenson's book about a world in which Germany and Japan and Italy... Now this is a little difficult if you haven't read the book.
0: You hear it again. So it's not an artifact that was left behind in the editing process. Now, people go, well, you know, this is a big thing about time travel. We've seen that old Charlie Chaplin video of the woman walking around on the cell phone. People have said that was probably just a hearing aid that looked like a cell phone. We see all these things out there. They go, a cell phone network wouldn't work in the past because you need the towers. And sure, you could say that. You could go, well, it, I mean, you. the easy answer would be like, well, if time travel exists, then I'm sure they figured out a way. That That's kind of a cockamamie answer you do have to give for the fact that if you brought a cell phone back into the past it probably wouldn't work you would then have to teleport back a satellite network you'd have to do a bunch of stuff it wouldn't be impossible and if we're in the realm of time travel but i think we owe the skeptics a little more of a better answer than that i can make my phone do a samsung notification sound without it being hooked up to a network i can set it as an alarm and you got to make sure you shut off your alarms or mute your alarms. And it doesn't have to be hooked up to any sort of network like that. I always have a cell phone that's not hooked up to a network on me. It's what I use to listen to music. One just plays all of my music. But so but it's not connected to any network. So it's possible, right? I find this super fascinating. One, I, I, I got to talk about Philip K. Dick. I love Philip K. Dick. I could talk about him for another 20, 30 minutes. I had to restrict myself on that um But yeah, if this was one of those things that it's not really going anywhere, it's a story that popped up on Xboard. Some people talked about taking it over to Reddit. I didn't see it over there at the time it was going on. A lot of people were just saying it's not that, it's not that, it's not that, which sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're right. A lot of times they're right. But in this particular case, if you were a time traveler, I could 100% see you going back to meet Philip K. Dick. Just sit in that audience. Got caught with the Samsung notification. And again, if you were in that audience and you heard that noise and if you heard that noise today, you'd be like, "Oh, someone didn't shut off their phone. If you heard that noise in 1977, you'd have no context for it. You, you would hear it. You'd be like, huh? You might not even go hunt, because again, you're sitting in front of one of the greatest living science fiction authors at the time. He's talking to you. You know, an eagle could have flown in and st- stole your egg. <laughs> if you happen to have one, you're like, oh, I'm saving this for Lynch. Um, Fascinating story, though. Is it proof of time travel? Is it just a weird artifact, a, a weird sound that got picked up on video? I don't know, but I would say this that if I, Philip K. Dick is one of those guys that if I could go back in time, I would go talk to him. Um, I just think he was a genius. I think anyone can, I think a lot of people can come up with mind breaking theories. And a lot of people can come up with really well-constructed stories. Very few people can combine the two. Very few people can suffer from the type of mind-altering mental illness that Philip K. Dick struggled with and continue to write stuff that is cohesive and not just thought-provoking, but entertaining. You know what I mean? Like We have psychopaths out there who can write crazy stuff like Max Kramer, and you're like, this barely makes sense. Then you have great authors. But their stuff's not really groundbreaking. Philip K. Dick merged those two, and he's, his effects are still being felt today. Crazy, crazy stuff. That's definitely who I would visit if I was a time traveler. That segment went on a little longer than I thought it was going to, and honestly, it went on as long as I predicted, because I knew I was going to spend a lot of time talking about his novels, And how much I love to locate Dick. So let's see if we got enough time for these other two stories. Let's start it off by DeWormia. So I'm going to go ahead and toss you the hair hang glider. Let's jump off of the highest point in France. I'm assuming that's the Eiffel Tower. But I'm sure they've built a building bigger than that by now. We're jumping off of the Eiffel Tower anyways just for bragging rights. Glide us all the way out to a young man's house. And these next two stories are possibly one. We'll see if we can get through them. I don't want to rush them, but play into the same idea that Philip K. Dick was so fond of. What is reality? These are some trippy stories. This first one, though, I have a very specific question about that may blow your mind. It's definitely been disturbing me. I can't stop thinking about it. We're at this young guy's house. We're going to call him Jerry. We don't have his exact name. He's 17 years old, and and Jerry tells us this started back in the year 2021. He was having a lot of stress in his life. He was stressed out because of school, and he was stressed out because of work. Things are just piling up. 17 can be a stressful time in a young person's life, no doubt. Anxiety levels are rising and so he realizes that this is getting a little bit out of his control, so it's time for him to turn to his parents and tell them, hey, listen, I'm I'm experiencing some stuff. Like, I'm so just wound up, so anxious all the time. I think it's starting to affect my health. And as he's telling his parents this, he's really having a heart-to-heart with him. He says they start acting really strange. Something's off about them. Like, as he's telling them how how stressed out he is they're making him more stressed they're acting in a very different way he goes it was everything their mannerism their body language it just changed it felt like my parents weren't my parents in a way and it really scared me it really really scared me but i realized that i had to play it cool i had to figure out what was going on and they they tell him hey jerry we think you need to go see a doctor And he's like, okay, I'm just going to do what they say. His, His relationship with his parents up to this point seems to have been normal. That's why he's able to notice these weird changes in them. He goes, yeah, I'll go to the doctor. So they all drive down to visit his doctor and they go into the doctor's office. And Jerry said, right when I walked into the doctor's office, everyone in the room was staring at me. The receptionist was staring at Jerry with wide eyes, like, why did you could make your eyes, you're like, Jason, this isn't paranormal at all, this is just, someone walks through the door and someone turns their head, well, hold on. He then goes in to see the doctor, to tell the doctor about, you know, all this anxiety and stress that he's going through, and Jerry said when the doctor walked in, the doctor just stared at him with wide eyes. And Jerry's starting to panic. Jerry's really, this is kind of freaking him out because he's like, my parents are acting weird. This is the next day is when he's at the doctor's office. And now everyone's just staring at me with these really wide eyes, he starts to panic. And Jerry's doctor goes, you need to go to a hospital. He's The, the doctor can tell. <laughs> the doctor's eyes are super white. They're all red. They're all crusty. But he goes, yeah, I probably should go to a hospital, too, with my giant eyeballs. But you need to go to the hospital right now because you you should probably just go to the hospital. <laughs> I don't know if they diagnosed it right there, but the doctor realized something was wrong. So Jerry and his mom and his dad, they drive to the hospital, and Jerry said, on the way down the road... He was looking out the window and he said it was like watching a live action sitcom or a real life sitcom would be a better term. Most sitcoms are live action. He's looking out the window and he goes, everyone on the street, like walking down the street or standing in a corner, was doing something funny. You would see, He said he would see people walk down the street and they'd be walking in a weird way. Or they'd pretend to bump their head on something and then they'd go, oopsie, and they'd like slap their hand to their head like an exaggerated, I made a I made a boom boom. And then they would turn around and walk in the opposite direction. And he's just driving down the street. He's riding in the car. He's not driving, but he's looking out the window and he's seeing all of these antics, all of these bizarre cartoonish antics. People are walking down the street going, oh no, forgot my briefcase he gets to the hospital jerry gets to the hospital and he walks in and he looks around and (laughs) there's no cartoonish behavior there's no one slipping on blood bags or accidentally cutting their eyeballs out with scalpels he looks around and he sees like patients people sitting in the waiting room Doctors, nurses, receptionists, everything that you see when you first walk into a hospital. You see all sorts of people. Jerry said when he walked in, everyone in the ER was either doing one of these three things. They were grinning at him from ear to ear. Some of them were half naked. And some of them, a lot of them, were fully naked. And Jerry begins screaming at the top of his lungs. He he knows at this point, something's terribly wrong. sees a bunch of naked people at a hospital. Begins screaming. They, basically at that point, get him checked in, put him in a psych ward for children, because he is 17, and they start this process. They're like, you know what's interesting about this narrative is that Jerry doesn't seem to ever diagnose himself or let us know what the diagnosis is he he titled this he posted it under the name 14hundo44 he posted it as extremely traumatizing and unexplainable experience at mental hospital this happened back in 2021 i think we can pretty much all explain this as You you had some sort of mental breakdown to see these things, and what's interesting is even now as he's writing it in 2023, he goes, "What? Like, I what could possibly have happened?" Let's continue this story though, because I I find this interesting. He said that he's taken into the hospital. Everyone is dressed normally, which would make sense, right? (laughs) Definitely, no matter how no matter how delusional you are, there's like imagining adult naked people and then your brain's like nope those kids all those kids have clothing don't be a pervert crazy person you know but it's okay to be a little crazy and see a naked adults he says then he's at the children's hospital everyone's dressed again people are normal see i'm thinking they probably gave him some medicine right because he doesn't detail anything he doesn't talk about medicines that were given to him but The fact that he gets checked into a psych unit for children, all of a sudden things are back to normal. They probably dose them with something. But he's going to be there for a while. So it's an involuntary hold, or the parents probably put him in there. And he starts to talk about, they started watching movies. He'd go to the movie room, and they watched this movie called The Book of Life, which is this cartoon movie. And the characters started saying really inappropriate things. And their lips matched perfectly to the dialogue, the new dialogue. He said, I saw the movie two years ago. It's okay. And now I'm watching it and they're saying inappropriate things. And I'm watching it and I'm thinking, why would someone edit the film like this? Like someone would have had to edit it because this new footage, this new language matches the new footage. I can tell they're saying that. He's trying to figure it out. He said that uh, at another point, they were watching the Avengers movie, the Marvel one, not the one with Uma Thurman. They're watching the Avengers movie, and he goes, it was uh, gory. It was gorier than I remembered. And there was a point in the beginning when Loki attacks the S.H.I.E.L.D. base that it became a found footage film for like 30 seconds, and it was super gory. And then it just went back to normal for the most part, which didn't happen. <laughs> You're like, what? Wow! I never saw the Avengers. Uh, is that actually a real thing? No, that never happened. And then what's interesting is when he watched Age of Ultron, he said that there would just be large scenes of characters doing nothing. That actually wasn't the movie. That movie sucked. But Age of Ultron's what got me off of my whole Marvel bandwagon thing. It was that bad. But he said that sometimes characters would just turn and stare at the screen. Just look at you. So he starts to believe, and this is what's interesting about this. Part of it he knows is a delusion. Part of it he knows is a delusion where he says that while he's there in the mental hospital, he starts to believe that he's living in the future where media can be edited on the fly. So it could be curated for who's ever watching it. And that is something that we, with all this AI technology, That is something we may see much, much sooner than we thought. You might be able to sit down and watch Lord of the Rings and be like, I don't like that movie. What would happen if Gollum didn't melt? What if he got the ring? And then it could put together a five-minute in the style of Peter Jackson segment. That could happen. That could happen in the next 10, 15 years, honestly. And he says that he's... You know what's funny? Looking at my notes, I don't think he really even comes to realize that he's having a delusion. Because he goes, even now, what happens is he's stuck. He goes, I feel like I'm in a world where media can be edited on the fly. He goes, I feel like I'm mentally incapable of living in this new world. And he starts to have this delusion that the hospital is going to kill him. And they're just playing with their food at this point. They're just doing little weird things. But it's interesting, so he does uh, end his post, quote, For the past two years, I have felt completely numb. Only things I can feel are confusion and a very stale version of sadness. My personal theory is that my life is a lie, and I'm living in some sort of unimaginably complex simulation where the things, quote-unquote, in control made all those people in the hospital act strange on purpose. So it's bizarre because obviously what we're looking at here is somebody. Well, OK, you know what? We're paranormal podcast. I'm not going to say it's 100 percent a mental illness because we do talk about all sorts of crazy stuff on this show. And I'll admit my own bias, right? If if this guy was in the middle of the woods and had these same experiences and never mentioned a mental hospital, we may or may not say, oh, he suffers a mental illness. I think the thing is, is like we obviously in this, the other witnesses to the story, the other witnesses to the story are the people sending him to the mental hospital. When he started telling his parent and he has no history of mental illness, really, it seems to be triggered by whatever anxiety he was going through. He says, by the way, you need to know I had no history, absolutely no history at all of mental illness issues before what happened besides my recent anxiety stress from school. I was a normal, everyday teenager. So he's still stuck in this... A, a stale version of sadness might be one of the most depressing sentences I've read in a long time. When not even sadness, when you cannot even find beauty in sadness, or something in sadness. Because it's a it's a valid emotion, right? <laughs> just know, if it's stale, that... That just speaks on, on such a dark level, doesn't it? A stale version of sadness. That's when you know someone is lost. But, you, okay, it could be paranormal, right? He could be trapped in some sort of uh, computer simulation where they're able to edit movies on the fly. I don't think so, but we are a paranormal podcast. We can put our conspiracy caps on for that. What I, I The reason why I wanted to talk about this story, and I find this super fascinating, I could be totally off the mark. (laughs) I often am. But let's go back. This is part that's been sticking with me. And I don't think it's something we can test. But if we could test it, it could say a lot about uh, all all sorts of things. Let's go back to when he walked into the hospital. Right, He walks in the hospital. And everyone's either grinning from ear to ear. They're half-naked or they're fully naked. It's a delusion. Maybe a couple people were grinning. A couple people were like, we got good news. Yay, the baby's on the way. But the half-naked and the naked, most likely a delusion. Let's say that I'm at that hospital. I'm at that hospital and I'm standing there. And Jerry walked in and saw me naked. Here's my question. Might sound stupid, but let me continue, okay? If Jerry walked in and looked around and I was naked, he saw me naked, I'm not actually naked, but he walks into this hospital and he sees me among a bunch of other people naked. Does he see does he see me naked, or does he see what he thinks I would look like naked? There's a huge difference between the two. I'm wondering if he would see me naked, like really see me with no clothes on. And then if someone like a scientist walks in, it is a hospital, by the way, a scientist walks in and goes, do you notice anything unusual about that? (laughs) About that naked man standing in the waiting room? Could he describe me to a T? Basically, I'm asking, could he tell how big my schlong was? Would would you be able to do that? Would you be able to do that? There's not many other defining features. I don't have like crazy mole, I don't have any moles or scars or anything like that. So could he be able to tell a tube of cookie dough, pencil with broken lead? Would he be able to tell the difference between the two? Or would he just imagine what he thought I looked like naked? Because there's a big difference. One of them is he's actually seeing through my clothing. And the thing with, like, you can kind of guesstimate boobs, right? I know there's a lot of, like, uh, bras that lift and separate. You can get a good amount of cleavage and there's not much there. You can kind of guesstimate, though, boobs. You, You know, go A cup, B cup, something like that. Okay, this is a good example as well. If you walked in, if you're mentally insane, if you're mentally insane and you walked into a hospital and a woman was wearing a padded bra, she's normally... A B cup, she has a date later that night. She has to leave right after work. She's wearing a padded bra, so she's like 34B to 36C or whatever. Would you actually be able to go, nope, those boobs aren't as big as they look? Would, she, would you actually be able to see the body without the padded bra? Would you be able to actually see moles and scars that are hidden by clothing? Really <laughs> Jason, if you're asking if a schizophrenic has x-ray vision, the answer is no, the answer is no i uh, well, is it though because i would i might here's my here's my theory could you like if here's okay, if your grasp on reality is already so thin it's so weak, right, you're already in a world of the unreal. Why couldn't you have, in, in a sense, a superpower? Because, the trying to think of the best way to, to explain this. I think you guys know what I mean. If reality is basically a cohesive agreement between the participants in the reality, that is what is the real, and somebody sees reality as different, doesn't, the, the rules start to fray a little bit. The chain can start to break. And if the chain starts to break or at least weaken, then the rules that, the rules that create their reality, and one of those rules are that an object in front of another object will obscure the vision of the object behind it. That's just basic physics. I don't know if it's only physics, but I'm sitting in front of this microphone. I can't see the microphone because there's a pop filter in front of it. I can't see what's behind the microphone because I have a little audio wall. But if I look past that, I have a door, and I have no idea what's outside my door. Until the door is opened. I can't even make a guess except based on other clues, like audio clues. A knock, someone walking by. There could be an elephant. There could be a... Infinite void? There could just be in a hallway. I don't know until I open the door. Now reasonably it's the hallway. It's the empty hallway. And it will be the empty hallway an infinite amount of times, but there will be a time where it is not the hallway. Over a long enough period of time it may not be the hallway at some point. But the rules of the universe say, no, there is a hallway there and that door is behind your speaker wall which is behind your microphone which is behind your pop filter and I can't see through them those are rules because the molecules and the atoms are all bumping together in such a way that I can't punch them well I can punch them but I can't put my hand through them we have physical objects we have objects that we cannot see through these are just rules These are observable rules, so when someone does not, quote-unquote, play by the rules, do they weaken? I'm not saying that everyone's reality is shattered. But if it's just one person, the observer, and he looks into a room full of naked people, when every other observer in that room, we see them wearing clothes. Would he is he actually seeing them naked or is he imagining what they look like naked? And there is a big difference between the two. Because one of them is a superpower. One of them is straight up X-ray vision. I mean, it's a superpower that comes with a ton of drawbacks. Like, X-ray vision really isn't that cool if you're suffering from crippling mental illness right i mean the fact that you can tell if someone has a gun on them sure that might come in handy in it might come in handy in new york but um i mean you have to deal with all the other stuff you'll never enjoy a movie again you're like oh, i don't remember this part oh why are they cussing at me why is this guy just staring at me all day long but it's interesting, because can you break reality to the point where it, the hallucination, you're you're seeing something that is real? And that opens up a whole other can of worms. Because we know like people hear voices in their head. We've done a ton of episodes about stuff like this. So I'll put them in the show notes. But you hear voices in your head that turn out to be right. You know, not voices saying, hurt yourself. <laughs> you're like, yeah, that was a great idea, as both your arms are missing. No, we did that story about the woman who the voices in her head were telling her, "Uh, you have a tumor and you need to go get it taken care of right away. And she did, and it saved her life. And the voices go, bye. She never heard him again. We have stories like that. So what is that? And this might this story on one one hand is very sad. And it sucks that he still is struggling with it. I would imagine that everything that he saw was... Caused by mental illness. It's not that he lives in the Matrix. It's not like he's the nobody. It's not like he's the one. It's very, very likely that if he takes his medication, it will help him in this situation. I'm not saying it's not a mental illness, but is it is it possible that, that you can be insane and that insanity can help you not just hallucinate stuff that's not there, but see things that are? It's super dangerous, slippery, slippery slope. Sure. Because that, you're like, what about the bathtub goblins? Jason, the bathtub goblins talk to me every night about burning the house down. I'm not saying like stuff like that's real. But I'm also I'm also saying that it's... It, I don't want to say that it's n- real. Goblins might be real. Maybe <laughs> they do want you to burn your house down. I don't know. My point is, is that... Let's take the extreme examples out of the way. Could you suffer from such of a mental illness that you could actually see realistically not just imagine but you would see people without their clothes on you would act- and 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 that's very interesting we'll have to wrap it up like this the we will have you back on tomorrow's episode but let's wrap it up like this i do feel the reason why i think that he probably is actually seeing them without their clothes on and it's not just a hallucination i could be wrong right i wasn't there but it's very very interesting that when he went to the children's ward they all had their clothes on like, I made a joke about that earlier, but that's true. Like, that's gross, right? If you walked into a room and there was a bunch of, like, 18-year-old women, you know, <laughs> there, was, there was a plane crash, a bunch of bikini models, their plane crashed, and they all have sexy injuries. They're not just, like, piles of organs. They just got a bandage on their head or an arm in a sling. And they're naked. You walk in and you hallucinate them all <laughs> naked. That's one thing. And then they're like, okay, you're like, like, want to leave i don't want to leave they're dragging you through the all the adult parts of the hospital and you see this sign getting closer and closer it's children's ward you're like no no he's trying to cut your you don't want to see a bunch of naked kids is what i'm getting at that's gross and i can understand the human his brain jerry's brain was like nope all of these kids have clothes on because they didn't want to see that which is again an odd detail It's weird how the brain works like that. Like, it probably would have rather seen a bunch of bloody limbs floating down a hallway, like a truly psychotic vision, than going into a children's ward. And you'd be like, this sucks. (laughs) This sucks, right? You don't want to see that. And his brain wouldn't let him see that. So who knows? I mean, I find the idea of mental illness, it's super fascinating. I really, really do. And I don't think there is a right answer. I think you could go, Jason, no, he's clearly not seen them really nude, but who we don't know. We don't know what it's like to be that mentally ill. And even if you said, well, no, Jason, I had that delusion once, once I walked into a hospital or went anywhere. I went to a casino and everyone was naked and turns out I was schizophrenic, but now I'm on medication for it. Everything's fine. Yeah, I'm mean, glad that everything's fine, <laughs> but I will say, how do you know that you they weren't actually naked? You wouldn't know unless you walked into that casino and you're like, hey, everyone, there's a b- bit of an experiment we're going to do right now. <laughs> First off, I'm going to go insane. Somebody stop me. You're like the mask, and then you're like, okay, and you think about all of them naked, and then you go, now everyone take your clothes off. I want to... Compare and contrast. You really want to know if your delusion was real. <laughs> Actually, now that I think about this might be the most dangerous episode of Dead Rapper Radio, because I keep talking about people being naked, and, and I'm sure there are people out there and be like, well, you know, we keep on this delusion, I can fly. And I know that I can't fly, but Jason said, you know, compare and contrast. Maybe I'll be able to fly off this house. Who knows? That's not what I'm saying. I'm only saying compare it when it includes... Nudity. Consensual nudity, by the way. Don't hold the people of the casino up at gunpoint. But, uh, crazy story. We're gonna save the uh, next story for the next episode. DeWormius, we will have you back. Hopefully you'll have emailed me and I will know how to pronounce your name by the time I record that. But deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm so glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.